Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We continue the feast of the meeting of our Lord in the temple, when our Lord is presented as the first fruit of the womb of the Mother of God. But at the door they are met by Simeon and Anna, righteous elder Simeon and the prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. While our hymnody gives a lot of space to Simeon, because scripture gives most space in this encounter to Simeon with his hymn that is enshrined in our Vesper services, but also his prophecy to the mother of God, this morning I would like to focus a little bit on Anna, the one who shows up at the end of the canon during Matins, uh, who is, of course, yesterday was the feast of the Synaxis of Simeon and Anna. Now, Anna, we are told, was a prophetess. We know that she was of great age. And then we are told what may be, for most of us, we just kind of gloss right over, that she is the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. Does anyone know what the name Phanuel means? Anybody want to guess? No. Something God, right? We have L in it, like Samuel, Daniel, you know, Gabriel. Phanuel means the face of God. And in the tradition, Phanuel is actually the name of one of the archangels. Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and Phanuel. And we're told that he is the one who is set over the repentance unto hope of those who inherit eternal life. I'm not saying that Anna was the daughter of the archangel Phanuel, but I think when Scripture gives us a little detail, there is no wasted word in Scripture. Anna, the prophetess, was the daughter of a man who is named after the archangel Phanuel, the face of God. And Anna lived into this inheritance. She was one who did not depart from the temple. But after being made a widow, she lived basically in the temple serving God with prayer and fasting. She imitated the angels. She was always at the temple. She ate little and she prayed. And it wasn't just that she said some prayers. Scripture tells us she prayed night and day. It's almost like she was an angel who did not cease to fly about the throne of God. She also has another angelic way of being. When our Lord is brought to the temple, Scripture tells us that in that instant, she appears and gives thanks to the Lord. It's almost like she has the speed of angels who are not encumbered with bodies like we have. She also does angelic ministry in giving thanks to the Lord. And then as soon as this encounter ends, she speaks of the Lord to all those who are looking for the redemption 
in Jerusalem. Anna is set before us, of course, as the face of the Old Testament, looking and yearning for the Messiah, but she is also an example for us. We hear in the gospel today, the gospel of the talents. And often when I have heard sermons or when I read this text, it is very much an opportunity for the question of what do I do? What can I accomplish? What can I increase? And to be honest, very often, I don't know about you, my childhood is, is marked by pyramid schemes. <laughs> that there was always my parents getting sucked into something, right? If you just do this little bit and this, then you get these people. And then before you know it, there, you have all these people and they're funneling you know, $2 in exchange up the pyramid. And very often when we hear, I feel like this kind of gospel, it makes us start to think of what are the ways, what are the things that I need to do? What, what church do I need to build? What, what little thing do I need to do to increase what I've got to do? And then we have Anna from this feast. And you could ask her, especially if you were middle management, Anna, what have you done to accomplish something? What have you done to increase the talent given to you? And she would not be able to bring up Excel spreadsheets. She would not be able to show you any kind of productivity that we tend to go to when we hear that we need to increase our talents. But Anna had exactly her priorities and the talents given to her and she increased them. She had her priority straight by prioritizing, of course, the worship of God, of being at the temple, by getting herself to church and engaging in a life of faith. How do we become more like Anna? Well, one of the things that I would point us to is actually given to us this morning from Paul. When he is encouraging the Christians of Colossae, and he tells them, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. This is not the productivity of expanding things like some kind of pyramid scheme. This is a harder work. This is heart work, the kind of of heart that Anna had, that had the word of God dwelling richly within her. So how do we do this? Well, one of the most practical ways is, of course, having to let it dwell within you means you have to read it. You have to actually expose yourself to it. But not just exposing yourself to it as... uh, I don't know how many of you at the New Year, I at least had this thought, and then I said, okay, New Year resolution, (laughs) that's funny. Uh, I'm going to read the Bible, right? I'm going to do a chapter at a time. Did anyone think that they were going to do this? Nobody? (laughs) All right, so New Year's resolutions. (laughs) Okay, maybe not New Year. At some point, you're like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to have this rhythm. But then you can start, I'm going to start with Matthew. 
And you're going through Matthew. And before you know it, you're at Matthew 9, and you can't remember what happened between Matthew 2 and 8. Right? Because you're just reading. Like you're reading a crime novel or something, right? Or a blog or a Twitter or something, right? Scripture requires us to ruminate. If there is throughout the Old Testament where the prophets are given, you know, scrolls and say, eat, and they're literally eating the word, this requires chewing. And not like how we gulp down food, but like actually enjoying, savoring, like you're a fine connoisseur of wines, right? Like I feel peppery notes here. I see fanuel, like what does that name mean? This is exactly how I get like, I don't know what fanuel means. Google, right? Thankfully, Google, you don't have to have a concordance. You have to have a huge library. You need to be wise when you Google. But Fanuel, what does this mean? What can I learn? What does it mean that she's named after a man who's called the face of God? To let scripture just kind of percolate. I think there's a reason why Paul says, let it dwell within you. Not let it make a quick visit or a drive through pass, but let it dwell within you. I would suggest memorization. The Psalms are our prayer book. The Psalms are with us throughout our services. The Psalms are a perfect place to begin to memorize scripture. Or just little sayings of St. Paul. Of course, the words of our Lord. Because, as Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell within you which we have, of course, the words that came out of his mouth, but also all of scripture is a word from Christ. Like St. John Chrysostom, as he encourages, even in his day, when somebody might have a gospel at home, that they would prepare their ears and their minds to hearing it at church, hearing what then was preached, and then St. John's encouragement was, when you go home, then you talk about the epistle and the gospel and the sermon, if it's worth commenting on, right? That you talk about it. That it is something, as Deuteronomy talks about, for the remembrance of the law within the families of God, that you speak of it on your way in, on your way out. That it is something that reverberates through your home. Let your mind and dwelling, let the vocabulary, the imagery, the warp and woof of scripture be reflected in how you think. We all swim and dwell in all sorts of material and content. But we need scripture to become a primary resource for us. When we are sad, when we are depressed, when we are angry, when things come up, when we are joyful, when we want to give thanks... That the words of scripture, the words of Christ, come forth from our mouth. This is how we learn to use scripture to encourage, to speak scripturally. And of course, I want to suggest, and I have suggested this at different times over the past few years, the importance of singing. is one thing to memorize the Psalms and scripture, an incredible, powerful thing. But it is another thing, and maybe you need this more than just the recitation or chanting a song, is to sing. Even if you can't sing really well, to imitate it. When I first was coming into orthodoxy, I basically had a few CDs. Yes, CDs back 
when you had CDs and it wasn't just Spotify, the things that you can find of orthodox music on Spotify now, it would cost you hundreds and hundreds of dollars historically. I had like two CDs. One of them, I'm not going to name names, but I call him the John Denver of Byzantine chant because that's just how he sounded. If you hear other Byzantine chant, you know what I'm talking about. You probably know who I'm talking about if you've listened to it for the past 20 years. But just to have in the background, even if I didn't understand what the hymn was, like where it went, at what time in the liturgical year, but then because I listened to those CDs, I'm not bragging on myself here. I'm a nerd, okay? But like to have that in the background, so then when you hit Holy Week for the first time, or you've forgotten, and then you hear that hymn coming up, you know it. It's a part of you. This, of course, takes time. But it is something that is incredibly powerful to memorize hymns so that you have it coming forth, not from your heart, but your entire body reverberating with the word of God. To let the word of Christ dwell richly within us is to produce fruit. It is the long-range goal of holiness to have our minds and hearts formed by Christ and his mind, which is found in Scripture. It is by God's grace that he gives us increase, that our hearts are warmed, that they are softened, that we call to mind God regularly in the remembrance of him and having his words on our mouth. It allows us to rest in him. Think about Simeon and Anna of great age, and Simeon is especially praying for, thank God you are here, now I can rest. We would like to and look to Anna as a great icon of one who dwelt in the house of God, who like her father, Phanuel, was like an angel standing before the face of God, And it was Anna in doing this, coming to the temple, fasting, praying, seeking out Christ, that she beheld him in her very arms, the face of God himself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.